What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome back to the Parking the Bus podcast. It's been about a month, but I am back now. And for those of you watching on Spotify or on www.parkingthebusmedia.com, you can see that I am wearing a new Nashville SC jersey tonight here on the podcast. This is episode 102. I'm the Mr. Mike Agustino. You can see my name right there on your screen if you're watching. If you're listening um, on one of the other platforms, it's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. And it is the biggest weekend of football, I think, in North Well, not just in North America, but in North America as well. This weekend of this summer, okay? <laughs> this is the weekend of the Women's World Cup Final and the League's Cup Final. Uh, I couldn't be more ecstatic for these two matches, not to mention I am hitting the road tomorrow. So tomorrow I am hitting the road. I'm about to make the, oh, about 13, 14 hour drive. It's probably what it's going to take me between tomorrow and Sunday to get to Columbus because I am going to hell is real this weekend and I cannot wait. Major League Soccer returns to action this weekend. Liga Mekis back in action. The Premier League is in action. They, they're going. Serie A kicks off this weekend. Um, this has just been, or this just going to be a fantastic weekend of footy for everyone to enjoy, whatever your particular taste is in football. In this episode tonight, we're talking about the Women's World Cup, and we're talking about the League's Cup, however. Um, it, it, I wished that I could have covered this in much more detail and I wish that I could have come on daily and talked about these matches in the future. I hope that I have the ability to do that. My goal is by the 2026 World Cup to be in a in a situation, put myself in a place where I can do that. Uh, the way I did for Euro 2020, I was able to to podcast video podcast every night, uh, recapping matches. Hoping to do that for World Cup 2026 as well. Um, I'm trying to build the network up so that when we are at that place now three, less than three years from now, that's where I will be. I'm also hoping that that carries over another summer to 2027. And I'm hoping that the Women's World Cup in 2027 will be here in the United States of America. The United States could be the hub of football for the next four years because after that, 2028, the Olympic Games are here and they do have football tournaments as well. Long-time listeners know I'm not a very big fan of Olympic football. Um, but it'll be great to to have, you know, here on the uh, in this country. And as you know, over the past uh, two years or so, I've, I've grown a fondness for uh, driving around this country and going to football matches. Um, I have been to a handful already this summer. That's why there haven't been many podcasts. Most of my free time have been spent traveling and and by traveling i mean driving i mean driving i have driven uh i have driven from where i live here in central massachusetts i've driven to charlotte to see charlotte fc play i've driven to nashville to see nashville sc play by way of atlanta mind you okay so i've taken my car from from here in the northeast to atlanta to to nashville out to st louis i didn't get to see a st louis city match but i visited st louis and it's definitely on my list of places to check a match out in the near future. I went to Cincinnati once again, and I, you guys know, you see the scarf behind me if you're watching. That is the team that I identify the closest with in Major League Soccer. However, I love Major League Soccer, and I've got this Hani Mukhtar $200 jersey here that I bought at, at uh, Jody's Park when I was out there. 
um, visiting FC Nashville. Fantastic club. They're probably my two favorite clubs, even though they're rivals. Um, but I, I am completely psyched to be headed back to hell is real this, this weekend. Last year I watched, uh, I watched Cincinnati and Charlotte play in Cincinnati. If you haven't seen my video on that, my match day video, it is on the YouTube channel. Go over to YouTube, smash the like button. Okay. Make sure you subscribe. And in the archives, if you, if you pull up the playlist and you go to PTB films, you will see hell is real. That's where I was last year. Um, I enjoyed it so much. I actually left an FC Cincinnati fan. I entered TQL Stadium that day, a neutral, and I left an FC Cincinnati fan. And if I hadn't have picked them last year, I think this year I would have picked Nashville because visiting Nashville, the city was awesome. I mean, I want to live there. That The South is just my kind of place, and I felt so at home in the South this summer. And, um, of course, as you guys know, my son is a big Charlotte FC fan, my son Romero. He's going to be traveling with me this weekend, so we cannot wait. But, but the goal on day one of driving is to be at our hotel, okay, to be in Clearfield, Pennsylvania tomorrow at a good time, get there early so that we can check into our hotel room and we can watch the League's Cup. We, we want to watch the third-place match between Philadelphia Union and Monterrey, and we want to watch the final. Who doesn't? Nashville SC versus Inter Miami. Lionel Messi has arrived in the United States in a big, big way. Lionel Messi taking the USA by storm right now, dominating the League's Cup. And the world is watching. The world is commenting. Some are mocking us. Others think that this is phenomenal. But if you are the organizers of the League Cup, the League's Cup, if you are Soccer United Marketing, it doesn't get much better than this. The only thing I think that they would have wanted more was if Monterrey had won that semifinal against Nashville and that this final had been played in Miami. And you'd have one MLS team, obviously the one holding uh, the key to Lionel Messi against basically the most dominant Mexican team of the last 10, 15 years in Reados in Monterrey. But uh, Nashville has seen, you know, someone forgot to tell them about that plan. Someone forgot to tell Hani Mukhtar, the man on the back of my jersey, Man, he scored a wonder strike the other night in the semifinal. It's a crime that the VAR took that goal back. I don't believe, in my interpretation of the rules, I don't believe that that's offside. I don't think he had any factor at all in that play, but it didn't matter because Nashville SC continued to push. And behind that crowd, I'm telling you, the crowd at Jody's Park is on another level, and they were behind him that night. Um, there were not a lot of Reados fans, which is, which is not uh, – not that common in the United States. You know, when you go back to the quarterfinals or the round of 16, excuse me, when Nashville took on Club America, there was a lot of Club America fans in the house, but Club America is a giant of a club. Club America are the Real Madrid of CONCACAF and of North America. And shout out to Nashville. They knocked out FC Cincinnati. They knocked out Club America. And then they knocked out Monterrey. They knocked out three of the favorites for this competition. And now they're taking on Lionel Messi. Do they have one more left in them? I guess we're going to start with League's Cup since it starts chronologically. Saturday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 Pacific, Apple TV Plus, uh, Univision, and 2DNA. All right. It's available over the air. Everybody's got Univision. I know it's in Spanish, but everyone has access to, to Univision. Don't tell me you can't see this game because you can see it. Okay. 9 p.m. Eastern time. A little bit late, but it's so that it can be watched on the entire continent. 
I have no problem with a 9 p.m. kickoff on a Saturday night. Um, this is this is good stuff, and I cannot wait for this match. Personally, I'm going to be so psyched to watch this. I want to see Hani versus Messi. I know Miami's just been wiping the floor with everyone, unless you're talking about FC Dallas, who nearly knocked them out, but they made the comeback. Miami, they got a lot of fans no matter where they play. Disappointed with the Philly Union fans. Let me tell you, I'm disappointed, Philly. I'm going to be in Philly in a couple of weeks. Labor Day weekend, the PTB Media Network Stadium Tour rolls through Philadelphia uh, for the second year in a row. I'll be at Subaru Park when when Philadelphia Union take on New York Red Bulls on Sunday night, September the 3rd, if I'm not mistaken. I'll be there. And I'm disappointed that that many Miami fans were in the house in the, in the semifinal. Miami completely tore Philly Union to shreds. And if you'd never watched the Philly Union play before, you would think, who are these guys? The shock people have. And, and again, it's not the best, it's not the best reflection on the league when that happens. And then you have to tell them Philadelphia Union have been one of the best teams in the league the last two years, last three years, really. One of the most consistent. They um that doesn't happen to them, but it happened here. Lionel Messi, Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba, Joseph Martinez, Robert Taylor. Robert Taylor has been made a superstar thanks to playing next to Lionel Messi. And, I mean, this is a brand new, this is a whole different Inter-Miami team. And to be honest, it's not fair to, to I, see the, I see the comments on the interwebs. I see it on the X, on formerly known as Twitter. I don't know, still known as Twitter maybe. I've seen the comments from overseas that if how he enters on the worst team and they're destroying everybody, what does that say about Major League Soccer? I know that's how it looks, but that ain't the case, y'all. That ain't the case. Okay, I've said it before. Inter-Miami was not as bad as their numbers showed. They were not. Uh, they were in last place, yes, because they were slumping, because they had injuries, because they were clearing space for the players they were bringing in. I mean, the writing was on the wall that Leo Messi was coming. And, per, and to be honest, at this point, I'm convinced that the Apple TV deal was done knowing already at that time that Leo, there was a 90% chance Leo Messi was coming to enter Miami. And now that now we know why <laughs> Apple TV sunk $2.5 billion into Major League Soccer. It's a great deal for everybody. I mean, global TV rights, it's going around the world on Apple TV+. And subscriptions in Latin America are obviously on the up now that Leo Messi is wearing an Inter-Miami uniform. Now that he's playing in pink with that MLS badge. This one right there. If you're watching that MLS badge on the sleeve. This was a great bit of business. And it's and this is just the beginning. How exciting it is. Man, Leo Messi in his first, what, what's he at? Six games now? First five games, seven goals. All victories. Well, that's not a fair stat either because they tied FC Dallas, in my opinion. It was 4-4. But they have not lost undefeated in five and heading uh, into Nashville tomorrow night looking to win a trophy. Looking, Both clubs looking to win their first trophy. This is awesome. One of these clubs is going to win their first piece of silverware. And, man, I listened to the Club and Country podcast this morning when I was at work. That is a podcast by Nashville SC fans. And I got choked up listening to them talk about how this club started, how this was an amateur club. And the original owners bought in for $75 a piece to become part owners of this fan 
owned crowdfunded club that started amateur went up the ladder here in the USA. Don't tell me there's no pro well. It's just not done the same way. It's done differently here. Nashville SC shows you how you go through the levels. Okay. You get some support, you build, you build an atmosphere, you build a culture. People come, they started by playing in a baseball park. Okay. An empty baseball park. I forget the name of, of the school. They said it was at in, in Nashville, in West Nashville, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong about that, but they were talking about those early days, you know, now almost a decade ago when this club was founded. And then they brought in an investor that took them to USL and then investors that brought them to Major League Soccer. Okay, now here they are playing for a trophy, playing for the League's Cup against Lionel Messi in their house. And, yo, one of the Facebook groups I'm in, one of the MLS Facebook groups I'm in, someone posted a screenshot of their Ticketmaster my lord he said there goes my entire bank account he purchased two tickets this dude at the price of five thousand two hundred eighty nine dollars a piece you do that math that's about ten thousand five hundred dollars or so for two tickets to this match of course he wants to sit up front he wants to touch Messi. he wants to get his sweat on him and he's a nashville fan but this is what is happening this is like a rock show how how great of a summer has it been for someone, say, Ticketmaster, Vivid Seats, SeatGeek. They throw their fees on all these tickets. They are getting rich. I mean, they already were. They, I mean, it, it's almost gouging, to be honest with you, the way ticketing works in this country and just how much, you know, how much money it costs to go to anything. But, man, Ticketmaster this, this summer has had this Lionel Messi traveling show. They've had Taylor Swift selling out, you know, stadiums for three nights in a row. They've got Metallica selling out stadiums. All their little fees go on top. There have been events all over the country. This is, you know, you had the, the whatever they call it. It's not the Champions World Tour anymore, but you had the Premier League friendlies. You had the La Liga friendlies selling out stadiums. El Clasico came to the United States this summer. The Manchester Derby came to the United States this summer. And Leagues Cup made money as well. People are talking about empty stadiums. You're watching the wrong games if you're thinking that the stadiums were empty. I was in the house for one of them, and it, it wasn't a cheap ticket. Let me tell you, I was at D.C. United versus Pumas. And that was a home game for Pumas, to be honest with you. Uh, you'll see when I put that video out on the YouTube channel later this fall sometime when I get around. I got It's about fourth or fifth in my queue of, of videos to edit and to put together and to get out published. But... um. Pumas fans came from all over the United States to Washington, D.C. to watch that match. And Pumas were phenomenal that night. And I think this League's Cup is something. I think we're on to something here. You can mock it if you want, say what it is. But guess what? Every tournament is something in the beginning, and everything is laughable in the beginning. The FA Cup was laughable when it started in the you know in the 1870s 1860s you know uh, it was laughable uh, they said why would we have to play a cup we're already the best you know clubs didn't really compete each other in, in in cups like that you know the clubs kind of arranged their own matches they thought it was it was silly to to, to run a cup competition 150 years later that competition's still going when the world cup started in 1930 most of the country said no thanks england said no thanks most of europe said no thanks who cares who's going to who is going to accept the winner of that tournament as a true world champion without england without without 
whatever team, you know, uh, I think West Germany didn't go either. Um, most of Europe did not travel to Uruguay for that first World Cup. And um, because of the same attitude, saying World Cup, what's that? We already have the Olympics. We've got the FA Cup. That's the real world champion. The home nations tournament. Too many people was what crowned the world champion. The home nations tournament, you know, now defunct, but it was England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland, or just Ireland as they called it in those days. Um, the four of them would play to see who would be the winner of the four home nations. And in their worldview, that was the world champion. So every tournament has humble beginnings. Every tournament at the beginning is ridiculed. And um, the league, the Nations League in Europe was ridiculed. Now teams are going all out to try to win it when it started. And they're only in there. They're going to do their fourth edition this year. It's been so successful. The women are doing it starting this fall as well. There'll be a women's Nations League. The Nations League is here in the United States. Two and a half years ago, people said, what's this? What does it matter? Now we take it more seriously than the Gold Cup. Okay, teams are, are sending their first team to the Nations League and not the Gold Cup. So, again, these things work this way. Um, tournaments, when they start, are ridiculed, are, are, are laughed at. But you know what? I've said it before. You only get to be the first champion once. There's only one opportunity to do that in either Inter-Miami or Nashville SC are going to hoist that trophy tomorrow night. And I know all the bookies are picking Inter-Miami. I was on Fought Mob just a little while ago, and I'm going to go to Fought Mob right now and tell you on Fought Mob what the, uh, what the fans are picking, okay? I'll tell you what they're picking as I take my turtle speed slow phone here, um, and I pull up my Fought Mob app. But, again, it couldn't have gone much better than this for the organizers getting messy in the final. The game is going to be showed all around the world tomorrow night. And, um, yeah, they can laugh at it now. Years from now, this could be a very coveted tournament in, in football anywhere, okay? Um, it's a great idea, in my opinion, taking Major League Soccer and Liga Mekis. The two leagues are working together. This is good. Working together is a good thing. And they are, you know, making money, first of all, which is sustainability, for uh, you know the future of both leagues, and the two leagues are only going to benefit from this. I know there's been a lot of crying, a lot of complaining from the Mexican teams about travel. They weren't complaining when they signed on the dotted line and they saw how much money they were going to be making. They compl they start complaining when their teams start losing. Okay, when even their best teams now are out of the tournament. I think um, Liga Mekis expected the mid to lower tier teams in their league to, to lose to the MLS sides. But I don't think they ever expected America and Tigres and Monterrey to go out. Well, Tigres went out to Monterrey, but, but expecting, you know, Monterrey and America and Pumas to go out to MLS clubs the way they did. I don't think they expected to have only one team in the semifinals. So um, I think the tournament has gone differently than how Liga Mekis saw it going. It went more or less how I would have assumed, just on this on this mere fact. It's not even the travel. The travel could be something too. I know there's valid there is valid criticisms there about the travel, but I think it has more to do with the fact that MLS teams are in mid season form right now. They're at the middle of their season, and uh, they're peak, they're starting to peak while Liga Mekis teams are in week three. It's the exact inverse situation of the CONCACAF Champions League as it's been, okay, playing matches in preseason. So, yeah, I kind of expected the inverse results, and it kind of played out that way. 
yeah, you can add in the home field advantage, but the truth is in some of these stadiums, the home field advantage did go to the Mexican teams. People try to try to downplay that, but it, it is shocking when you walk into your own stadium and there's more fans for the other team. Okay. I don't want to hear this thing that, that uh, the players got to sleep in their own beds. That, Sorry, that does not do anything, in my opinion, okay? In in my years in this game, when we used to travel, we always traveled better than we played at home. Having the whole team concentrated in a hotel, it's easier to focus on the match. It's easier to stay focused, especially the MLS teams. They don't, most of them don't go into hotels the night before matches like they do in Mexico, for example, and in Europe. Most of the MLS players drive themselves to the home matches. Most of them stay at home. That's not how it's done in most of the world. And I don't think that's an advantage to do it that way. Players come in when they come in and they're less, I think they're less focused to play. They're doing other things while they're home. They're playing with their kids. They're, you know, eating whatever they want. When, when you're on the road, I think it's even easier, especially in a tournament to keep the team focused when you're traveling. Yeah, there's some miles, but again, and of course there's the video of, I think it was Leon sleeping in an airport as if that was MLS's fault that an airline, you know, left them in Canada for however many hours. But that was, you know, just something that happens when you travel sometimes. But I don't think the travel was as much of a wear on the Mexican teams as it was. It's a convenient excuse. I think it had more to do with the fact that they took this tournament lightly. And, um, you know, and they, they found out the hard way that you can't take the MLS teams lightly. Listen, um, Tigres... Monterrey, Club America, these they're better than than the MLS teams. I do believe that. But you still got to play the match. You don't win just by showing up. And you can't do it by rolling out youth players, okay? Rolling out the triple-digit players like Monterrey did. You don't win these competitions that way. I think next year you're going to see the Mexican teams take this much more seriously. And I do think we're going to see matches in Mexico next season. Not for every team, okay? Not for every team, but they're going to find a way. Um, to get some matches in Mexico, I think, because of somewhat because of the backlash. But also some of the stadiums can't host it. The question I have is, are they going to draw the crowds that this tournament has shown it can draw in north of the border, you know, in the United States? Will they get that? I don't know. Um, I doubt it because in the CONCACAF Champions League, the stadium, Atlas played in the semifinals or the quarterfinals against, against Philly Union. And Atlas had never played in the CONCACAF Champions League, okay? They won their first title in 81 years. And you'd think that that would fill the Jalisco, and they didn't even open the upper deck for that match. So I don't think that MLS teams going to Mexico is going to draw much interest from Mexican fans. Although now that this tournament played out the way it did, perhaps there'll be more interest next year. I can see why they played it all in the United States this season. It makes sense. The trolls online don't get it. They they don't understand this is this tournament is in existence to make profit first and foremost for both leagues. That's why it's going on. It's to make profit and you're not going to make profit in Mexico. Even in Mexico city, you can't charge what they're charging here in the United States for tickets. Okay. The Mexican TV outlets didn't even pick up the matches. So maybe by playing in Mexico next season, they'll, that will happen. That will help get some, some rights sold. Um, I think the BBVA stadium in Monterrey is, is, up to snuff for this competition. Obviously, the Azteca, the uh, Omni Life Stadium, those are the three that will be in the World Cup, but also the Volcan, where Tigres play, the Jalisco, where Atlas play. Um, you've got the where, where Santos Laguna play in the Estadio Corona. That's a nice stadium. 
that can that can draw a good crowd. Uh, the the one they call the No Camp, the other No Camp, where Leon play their home matches, the Hidalgo Stadium, home of of Pachuca, yeah, Pachuca. Some of these stadiums can, but again, here's the issue: you you're not going to see games at Atlético San Luis. You're not going to be sending an MLS team to Atlético San Luis or to Querétaro, okay, or to Juarez. First of all, the the facilities are not up to snuff. Second, the chant. The chant is a big reason these matches are not played in Mexico, okay? there's When I was at the match in D.C., there was announcement after announcement after announcement reminding people not to uh, do the chant, the Mexican, you know, on goal kicks. And it was funny, the D.C. United uh, stadium crew, the sound crew, actually turned on music. You actually heard some salsa music on every goal kick. I think just in case that chant came out, it would have been drowned out by uh, the music so that's one inventive way to do it but honestly i think in mecca until mexico can get that under control it's hard for mls to take a valuable property like this and play it in mexico and show it on their tv network on apple tv plus around the whole world okay uh that's something mexico has to get under control that's just the way it is okay i was saying i'm going to fought mob here got off off topic for a moment and this podcast is not going to go very long tonight because um well, I got to pack. I got to go to sleep. I still got to go to work tomorrow morning. Work until 9 a.m., then come home, grab the kid, throw him in the car, and and head to uh, head to on my way to Ohio, hopefully by 10 a.m. But uh, talking about it, um, let's see what FOTMOB predicts for this League's Cup final tomorrow night. Okay. Um, it's obviously sold out and tickets. I Actually, it's not sold out yet. If you want to go, you can still get a ticket. It's going to cost you. But um, if you want to play the waiting game and you want to wait till an hour before the game, you can go down there. You can get close to it and wait and get the cheapest ticket you can as close to kickoff as you can. I think that's that's my advice to anybody that uh, wants to go and doesn't have a ticket yet and doesn't want to, you know, sell their house to, to, to get a ticket. That's my uh, that's my bit of advice for you. So, all right, here we go. On Fought Mob, out of 36,176 votes, 86% have picked Inter-Miami to win, while 5% have picked a draw. You can't really get a draw. That means they're thinking it's going to penalties, while only 9% have picked Nashville to win. Uh, injuries going into this match. Uh, Nashville SC's Nick Dupuis is injured. Okay, He's not expected back until late October. This isn't a new injury, so Nashville going in in full strength. Uh, on the other side, however, you have four injuries for Inter-Miami. You have Quarantine Jean with a cruciate ligament injury out until mid-February of next year. Uh, so he's inactive anyway. Franco Negri is out until next year. You've got Greg Roy, the Brazilian player who is out until September with an ankle injury. And lastly, you have... Jean Mata, another Brazilian, 29 years old, who's not expected back until November. So really, both teams are at full strength of what they have. Why has Inter-Miami gotten so good so fast if it's not messy? Well, I think a big reason is, first of all, I said they weren't that bad to begin with. They weren't as bad as their record showed. I think big problem they had was Phil Neville. That was fixed. Bring in Tata Martino and then add in, you know, the Barcelona spine there of Messi, Busquets, and Alba, and suddenly Joseph Martinez is looking like the Joseph Martinez from Atlanta United three seasons ago, four seasons ago. 
got this guy named Robert Taylor now who is becoming a household name thanks to playing with Nessie. Um, according to to Nico Cantor on CBS Colasso, he said that Miami have six starters different than they had when they when they finished up uh, that port the MLS uh, schedule before the start of this tournament. So there is half a team in here. It is not just messy, but that's what makes it so hard to get ready for. But if anybody can get ready and prepare for, for Inter Miami and slow them down, it's Gary Smith's Nashville SC. I think they're comfortable playing without the ball. They're comfortable staying organized. They're comfortable being patient and waiting to hit on the counter. And they got a guy by the name of Hani Mukhtar, who I can't wait to watch play against this kind of competition. I think he's going to elevate his game. He's going to try to 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 make a name for himself as well. He knows the entire world is watching. And I'm asking how much longer until he is a U.S. citizen, by the way. I don't know how long he's been here. But, man, if he could get there and and become a U.S. citizen and join the U.S. national team. Oh, is he is he a player? Let me tell you. Um uh, you know the reigning MLS MVP. That, that's all you have to. You don't have to worry. You don't have to say anything else about him. Um, if anybody can beat this Miami team right now in the form they're in, it's this Nashville side. They're playing their best football. They have found their groove after their struggles in the league. I know when I was out there, they lost two nil at home to Philly that night, giving up two pens. They're still conceding pens. That's one thing they cannot have happen tomorrow. And by all means. They cannot let Lionel Messi, especially, but anyone in a pink jersey score inside of the first 10, 15 minutes. Miami has been scoring early virtually every match and uh, putting, you know, the opposition on the back foot right from the start. I, that's where it went wrong for Philadelphia. Jim Curtin overthought this one. He, he turned into, you know, he turned into 2021 Pep Guardiola in the Champions League final, just overdid it, overthought it. And found himself behind 3-0 before he knew what to do with himself. Before he could go back to what, what it was that they do well. It is um, it is what happened in that match. And I think Philadelphia is going to be kicking themselves a little bit. They could have given a better, uh, a better example of themselves. Given a better representation of themselves in that match. And had the whole world watch and say, hey, this this Philadelphia team is not bad. Uh, they had the opportunity to do that. They've really squandered it. They're going to try to win the third place game tomorrow. That one kicks off at 6 Eastern. They're hosting Monterey. If Philadelphia win that third place game, they will qualify for CONCACAF Champions Cup, not league. They've changed the name again. I, I disagree with CONCACAF on this one, but they've changed it back to CONCACAF Champions Cup. The CCC instead of the CCL. And... Um, there's more teams in it now. It's a little bit more of a different for me, a different uh, format. And uh, the third place in this league's cup will will qualify. This is essentially a regional turn, a regional championship for North America. Um, and if you're not aware, Central America is also having their regional championship right now, as is the Caribbean. So those are the qualifying tournaments to get into next year's CONCACAF Champions Cup. All right, so. Nashville and Miami are already qualified. They're both going to be in it for the first time next season. That's going to be exciting for both of those teams. And, um, you know, if Philly can't do it tomorrow, they, it's going to be a, a, an opportunity blown because they're going to have to go and get all the way to MLS Cup, essentially, uh, to get back to the final if they want to return to the Champions Cup. Okay. Again, that one kicks off on Apple TV at 6 p.m. tomorrow. So, like I said, uh, Nashville comfortable staying organized, comfortable playing without the ball. 
Uh, Inter's going to want to have the ball a lot, Inter-Miami. Okay, Tata Martino's going to want the ball on Leo Messi when possible. Although in the semifinal, they cut Philadelphia to shreds, and Lionel Messi had only 43 touches. So, remains to be seen. But um, my prediction for this one, I'm not going to predict it. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy this one. If Miami wins 5-0 and, and they play you know, lights out, I'm going to enjoy that because it's going to be beautiful football to watch. If Nashville somehow pulls off the upset, it's going to be a great story. It's going to be the story of the year, and it's going to be the greatest gift to those, those very loyal supporters down there in the Music City. And um, I'm very excited for those supporters. They deserve it, uh, considering they built this this club from nothing. And here they are playing against Lionel Messi in a final. Uh, that's going to be watched all around the world. So, again, that's going to be a match, I think, worth watching. I think it's going to be enjoyable. And um, may the best team win. May the best team on the night win. That's all I hope for. All right. Well, let's switch gears here, okay? Let's um, talk Women's World Cup fans of the women's game i am sorry it took a half hour for me to get to this okay um this has hands down been the best women's world cup i've ever seen by far it the group stage was maybe the best group stage i've ever seen in any tournament men's or women's ever before very few blowouts okay very few blowouts all the adding teams to the world cup actually made the world cup more competitive it's not supposed to work that way it did work that way um, I have enjoyed this Women's World Cup more than I've ever enjoyed a, any women's tournament, okay? The players are getting better and better. That's why this is so good. Um, you know, of course, the collapse of the United States is a major story. I haven't really talked on the record about this. If you follow me on Twitter, on the X, you know how I feel about them. I'm not going to talk about it here. I'm not going to talk about it now, but... I didn't expect them to go far. I'm going to be honest with you. Having watched European women's football for the last two years and then knowing most of the American women play in the NWSL and the, listen, the fans of that league don't want to hear this, but um, that train, okay, the American women's soccer train started way ahead and the rest of the world is catching up and they're about here now. And actually, I think the rest of the world is pulling ahead right now and if american players don't start getting to europe and playing in the champions league playing in the super league playing in the women's bundesliga the, the Serie A femenile okay if they don't start playing and it's not so much the leagues but it's playing on those big clubs with that expectation with that pressure okay i think nwsl made a huge grave mistake when they branded their teams as completely different teams from the MLS clubs. I'm going to tell you that because why they're going to lose in the long run is because there is not a brand alive in NWSL, not Angel City, okay, not Kansas City Current, not San Diego, whatever, okay. Uh, I was going to call them San Diego Surf, but I don't think that's their team name. Not Washington. Uh, is it Washington Freedom? Now, I, I apologize. I, I, The names are... are the names have changed so many times over the years that I, I've confused them. Gotham City, oh, FC, okay, that's the team in New York. None of these brands can hold a candle to Football Club Barcelona, to Manchester United, Manchester City, Arsenal, Chelsea, Bayern Munich, okay? Not a chance. Real Madrid now in the women's game, okay? There's not a chance. Roma, AC Milan, Juventus. These are the biggest clubs in world football. Paris Saint-Germain, okay? These are the biggest clubs in world football. 
and they're investing money into the women's game and they can generate money because of how powerful a brand they are, because of their men's team's success, they can generate money that the NWSL is never going to be able to generate. I don't care how many rich, woke investors are dumping their money into, into Angel City FC. I don't care how many other professional athletes are. They cannot compare with, and they cannot compete with the Barcelonas, with the Real Madrids, with the Juventus, with the Chelsea, with the Manchester City, Manchester United, Arsenal, you name it. The clubs that are really getting behind the women's game. It's always going to be more attractive to players to go play in Europe for these historic clubs with legacies, with support. Support that very few of the American teams can even come close to. Yes, uh, Portland Thorns, maybe. Portland Thorns, maybe. The defending champion Portland Thorns, yes, I think they... But still, why are they not just the Timbers? The Timbers is such a powerful name. It's it's a club with so much history. Why are they O.L. Reign instead of the Sounders? Why is a team in the United States portraying itself as a farm team for a French club, for Olympic Lyon? Why? Who thought that was a good idea? Remember back in the old days when in the old women's league, there was a team called Magic Jack, like the name of a, a product you put in the wall and plug a bunch of things into? Like, honestly... Where are they? Where did they think that this was a good idea? You think of all the clubs that have folded in this country. Boston Breakers, you know, as one I just know because they were here. They don't exist anymore. Okay. You think of, you know, you think of of just how many times the league has folded and restarted. Yeah, there's a bit of resiliency. There's there's an admirable uh, fight there. But why did they not figure this out? And you can say, oh, they want to be their own their own brand and they want to be the most important entity in that brand. I get that. But what these investors and what these clubs fail to realize, and it's because they've been in a bubble for so long and because the American uh, women's program was so much stronger for so long. Thank, your, thank Title IX, okay? Title IX very much in danger right now, okay? I'm not going to get into the specifics, but you know what I mean, okay? Title IX is what American, uh, you know, women's soccer fans have to thank for their dominance through the first 30 years of World Cups. Four World Cup titles in 30 in the first 30 years. Dominance. Absolute dominance. I'm not denying that. Thanks to Title IX. Okay. The other countries didn't have that. But you know what? Now they've caught up. They done caught up. The Women's Champions League is the best women's football competition on the planet. Okay, some of the best teams, best women's teams assembled on the planet play in the Champions League. They're not restricted by nationality. See, the Americans were in, like I said, in a bubble. They were so they were the best for so long. They never, I don't think they ever thought they were going to have to compete in a global marketplace for players, compete in a global marketplace for viewers. Compete in the global marketplace for coaches. They thought everyone was going to always just want to come to the United States and play in the United States' league. They were the only professional women's soccer league in the world for a long time. This in the previous, previous you know, iterations of, of professional women's football here because the, I believe this is the third league um, that has got off the ground. And, and it is more stable than the others, and it's doing well. Listen, it's doing well. I'm not, I'm not critiquing the league on that sense. but. 
at what point did nobody think, hey, what happens if these European giants decide to take women's football seriously? What happens if they decide to throw money into it? How are we going to compete for the top players in the world? How are we going to get the Alexia Puchelas? How are we going to get the, the Lucy Bronzes? How are we going to get, you know, the Caicedos? How are we going to get the best players in the world? How are we going to generate the revenue to compete with them? You can say that, and probably each, the average player is paid much better in WSL. I get it. But on those top teams, on those teams competing for the trophies, I don't, I think they're catching up. And if they ever catch up financially, come on now. If they ever, uh, you know, pat, really pass the American teams, if they ever start, because they can, they have a fund. Okay, these football teams can be supported by their men's team that generate billions. How much money does Manchester United's men's team generate? Manchester City, any Premier League club, okay? How much money do they generate just on TV money? Real Madrid, the most supported club in the world. Why do you think overnight they, they put a women's team on the field and they're already, you know, one of the best? Atletico Madrid as well, Barcelona. The absolute class of women's football. Nobody stateside ever thought this was going to happen. And I don't know that they, they're going to stop the... I don't think they can stop the trend at this point. I think just like the men's game, the top players are going to go to Europe. And eventually the women, the American players, if they want to keep up, are going to have to go there. And not as 25-year-olds, not after they've gone to college and played four years of college in a, a season that lasts for three months. With, what, eight weeks of training in the offseason in the spring? Nah. That ain't going to cut it when teams are, when, when overseas they're playing for 10 months and they're playing league football week in, week out, Champions League football midweek, cup football. They're playing all of that. I think that, um, I think that NWSL missed the opportunity when it was founded because before it was reorganized, reformed into this NWSL. You had Seattle playing as the Seattle Sounders, the Seattle Lady Sounders, whatever they call them. Okay, you had Orlando playing not as the Orlando Pride, but as Orlando City. You have teams in the USL that get it. Why did they not get it and said, "If we want this league to survive, let's partner with MLS. Let's get those same fans." You know why the women's teams in Europe are so well supported? Because those fans support the club. They support the badge on their jersey. And they don't care if it's men or women. Maybe not in the same numbers. There are still, you know, ancient, archaic, knuckle-dragging attitudes in Europe as well. I'm not here to say that. But every year, more and more people are following the women's game. Listen. This club right here, my club, Benfica, starting a women's football team is what changed my whole perspective on women's football. I wouldn't be here talking about the Women's World Cup today if that club, Benfica, never started a women's football team. I'm ashamed to say this. I never gave it the time of day until my club had a team. And from that day forward, that's my club. I don't care what the sport is. I don't care if it's men or women. That's my club. That's in my blood. I'm going to support it. And you know what? Hey, we're pretty good. 
hey, look, our players are all going into the national team. Now, I am a Portugal national team supporter. Not just someone who checks the score, but someone who gets up at 3 in the morning to watch Portugal play at the World Cup. Someone who, who uses who uses personal time off of work so I can stay home and watch Portugal's women's team play at the Women's World Cup. I never in a million years thought I was going to see the day where Portugal goes to the, to the Women's World Cup and draws with the United States. That was the proudest morning of my life in football. And, oh, that post was just a few centimeters too wide. Oh, if that ball had just gone a few centimeters to the left. Would have knocked the United States out right there. And then it would have been the biggest upset in the history of the women's game. And, man, am I proud of that team. And I have to say that on these airwaves. Sorry, U.S. fans. But I've seen that team come from fully amateur to where I was getting phone calls 10 and 15 years ago asking, hey, you know anybody that might be interested in trying to to make the women, the Portuguese women's national team? You know anybody with a Portuguese parent or grandparent that might qualify who's interested? By the way, if they are, they got to get themselves to Portugal for, for the first training. And if we like them, then we'll start to fund their trips. When I started watching this team, or when I started paying attention to them a little bit, the team was made up mostly of American and Canadian-born players of Portuguese ancestry. Today, there's not a single one of them. Okay, Today, those are all Portuguese-born, not just born, but players built in Portuguese academies at Portuguese clubs. And when the United States talks about, you know, when they want to talk about inequity and things like that, okay, and yes, they have valid, valid concerns and valid struggles, and, and they got themselves the equal pay they wanted, okay, if you don't know, both the men and the women took home about $330,000 a piece for their World Cup performances because the two pools were put together and split among all the players. That's a conversation for another day, but... The Portuguese girls came up playing against boys. The Portuguese girls in that World Cup, especially the older ones, had to play senior football at the ages of 14 and 15 because they couldn't play with the boys anymore in the youth and they wanted to keep playing football. The only place to go was to the senior level. Okay? They were going into the national team at 15 and 16 years old because that was the only way to get the training they needed because their clubs trained once or twice a week. The only way to train like a professional was to make your national team. That Those players have overcome so much adversity. They have overcome so much actual in inequity, come over so much actual discrimination to get to the World Cup and to put the United States on the ropes, the back-to-back -back world champions on the ropes. And they should have knocked them out. They, had, they almost did it. They were so unlucky not to knock them out. Perspective is important. And the Megan Rapinos and Alex Morgans of the world lack perspective sometimes. they If they get it, they, they don't communicate it effectively of what these other teams go through, what the reality of the other 31 teams or most of the other 31 teams in this World Cup had to go through to get to that World Cup, to be there to represent their countries. Okay? And you saw them proudly sing their anthems. Yes, I'm going to say that. I'm going to leave it at that. But you saw every other team proudly sing their anthem. And you saw the American team. Most of them sit there silent, stand there silent. That's not who I want representing me. That's all I'm going to say. This is I don't want to open this this into a political uh, conversation because that's not where I'm going with this. So this is where it ends right there about that. Let's talk about the final real quickly. England versus Spain. I think Spain play the best football in the world. 
obviously I just talked about Barcelona for what 10 minutes 10 15 minutes um you got Atiana Bonmati in there what a footballer she is uh, I mean this is going to be a great game I mean you got you got Spain that are going to keep try to keep the ball they're going to try to pass it around they're going to combine they're going to try to make England chase and then you got England that are they're English and they play their game so well as well okay they play their game so well Lauren James is coming back in. If you don't know, um, her her brother, Reese James of Chelsea, says she's the best player in the world. She's going to have a chance to prove it on Sunday. Um, she's suspended for stamping on one of Nigeria's players in the round of 16. She missed the quarterfinal and the semifinal. She got a two-match suspension for that. She's back in the final now playing against Spain. It's her chance to prove she's the best. How much of Alex uh, of Alexia Putellas are we going to see in this match? The reigning Ballon d'Or winner, um, if healthy, she's the best player in the world, in my opinion. She's not healthy though; she's still coming back. One of the you know just plethora of torn ACL injuries and number of players who have had ACL surgeries recently, and a number of very good players, including the United States' Sam Uis and including. Just a number of players missing this World Cup through through ACL cruciate ligament injuries. But who's going to win this one? How much of Putejas are we going to see? Uh, I love watching her play. I hope she can get on. We saw Sam Kerr get to play in the semifinals. Sam Kerr of Australia. She also uh, had a minor injury, but she played very little in this World Cup. But man, did she score a cracker against England, making it 1-1. And for a moment... The Matildas were believing. Australia were close. But then the Lionesses just said, okay, enough of this playing around. Let's get down to business. And they did so, winning 3-1 to one to get to this final to face Spain. And, um, again, I'm not predicting. I'm sitting back Sunday morning. Depending on the internet quality in my hotel, by the way, on Sunday morning, I may do a live, live watch along if the internet is good enough for me to do this. And to put it on uh, live across uh, across you know the the platform across uh, my Twitter at Mike Agustino right there at M I K E A G O S T I N H O across my Facebook across uh, the Twitch channel you look for the PTV Media Network on Twitch and um, we'll see how that goes as well um, again it'll all depend on the quality of the internet um, I'm staying at a Hampton I don't really like the Hamptons uh, I don't really like their internet so we'll have to wait and see. Um, but uh, if I can, I will do a, a little bit of a live, a live watch along. And uh, you can watch with me Sunday morning. So uh, make sure you follow me on Twitter and look for that alert Sunday morning. 6 a.m. Eastern time here in the United States. 3 Pacific. If you're out on, on the West Coast, you can go to the club. You can go out, go to the diner, get, get some pancakes, get some eggs. Come home 3 a.m. and turn on the match. And let's see who is going to be the new Women's World Cup champion. There's going to be a new name on the trophy. I'm excited. You should be excited as well. But that's it for this episode 102 in this new era of the Parking the Bus podcast, this video era, um, but on Spotify, not on YouTube. Um, I just don't see any point in putting it on YouTube uh, at this point. Nobody watches it on YouTube. I just, at this point in time, I have not figured out YouTube well enough to know how to make myself visible. So um, it's not going to be there. It'll be 
on my Twitter feed. It'll be on my Facebook page and it will be on the Twitch channel just because I'm trying to build a library there on the Twitch channel. Honestly, I don't even know how to use it yet, but uh, that's all stuff that's coming your way in the coming months here uh, on the PTB Media Network. Okay, that's it. I am turning in for the night. I am going to pack my bags. And tomorrow I head to Ohio. Um, I'll be staying in Pennsylvania tomorrow night, actually. So if I'm, if I'm, uh, yeah, actually, you know what? I take that back. I won't be in a Hampton Sunday morning. I'll be in a Hampton Monday morning. I'm going to be in a Holiday Inn on Sunday morning in in Clearfield, uh, Pennsylvania. Hopefully the internet is is up to par to do a uh, a live stream. Uh, I hope so. I want to watch it, and I want to watch it with you with you guys, and uh, get your your feedback as the match goes on. We'll see how it goes. Watch the feed for it. Okay, this is like I said, this is episode one hundred and two. Thank you for watching on Spotify or on www.parkingthebusmedia.com. Of course, it goes up on parkingthebusmedia.com. After the fact, it's kind of an archive there. But uh, if you want to go back and watch the previous episode, it's there as well. Uh, I got some other previous ones from the YouTube era, but now I'm putting the video straight to the website, okay, in the blog section. So if you go to the blog, uh, the latest video is there. All right. Make sure you do go to the YouTube channel, though, and watch some of the past films, some of the travel videos. And like I said, I'm going to be putting more together in the coming weeks. I actually have a ton of video to to uh, edit, so uh, that I got to get on that, and there will probably be a little bit less podcasts. And if you need a club to support, my Mr. Benfica podcast wants you as a listener. Okay, that's wherever you get your podcast. Just type in Mr. Benfica, M-I-S-T-E-R-B-E-N-F-I-C-A. I host that podcast, and I cover the best club in Portuguese football. Okay, both the men's and the women's team, in case you're wondering. And um, you can also listen to that at www.mrbenfica.com. That's it. I'm out of here. Uh, enjoy your football this weekend. I'm surely going to enjoy mine. I can't wait to check out lower.com field at, uh, in Columbus. I can't wait to see the crew versus FC Cincinnati. I'm out of here. It's the Mr. Mike Agustinu signing off. See you next time. Peace.